Do you want to experience the thrill of a Packers game at Lambeau Field? If so, be sure to get your game tickets from the longtime trusted source in Wisconsin, Ticket King. Visit their locations in Milwaukee and Green Bay, or just go to their website, theticketking.com. Again, that's theticketking.com. You're listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm your host, J.J. Leahy. My co-host is my good friend, Gil Martin. In addition to this show, I host Cheese and Packers, and Gil is the host of Locked On NHL, and he writes for the Packers Post and Cheesehead TV. We're here to talk Packers because you're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. Well, Gil, the uh, Packers season is over. It yeah. fizzled out. Uh, I mean, they, they lost to the Lions the way they lost all year long. Their worst opponent was the Green Bay Packers, and they too often just could not get out of their own way. Uh, there were a bunch of, you know, little execution mistakes here and there for the first two and a half, three quarters that prevented them from getting any real traction. And then that was when the wheels came off and it all just fell apart. Um, definitely very frustrating. Um, I think my ultimate stance is that although I was rooting for the Packers to win this game and I always root for the Packers to, to win every single game they ever play, I'm a little bit relieved that they lost this game. For two reasons. One, I don't really have it in me to watch them go uh, get blown out by the 49ers on the road again in the playoffs for the like fourth time in five <laughs> years, something like that. Yeah. And also, I don't um, I think that there were enough problems with the way that the coaching staff handled this season that I I think that they have a real tendency this coaching staff to not make any moves until they are really forced to. And I think that getting into the playoffs may have sent them the message that, you know what, you had some bumps and bruises, but ultimately what you did was good enough. And so no changes needed for next year. And I I don't think that that's, that should be their takeaway. So um, I think that getting left out of the playoffs is almost the same outcome as had they beaten the Lions because I, I do not think that this team is disciplined enough to go and execute for four quarters on the road in San Francisco I don't think they would have won that game and so they would have a little bit of a worse draft pick probably and um, and I don't think it would have been a fun game to cover so <laughs> so that's that's my ultimate stance uh, Gil how are you feeling now that the Packers season is over disappointed um uh... I really thought they should have won that Lions game. I thought they would win that Lions game, but uh, obviously they came up short and that is a problem. But I think sort of along the lines of what you said, it's fitting. It was that kind of a season and this team never got out of their own way enough to deserve to go to the playoffs. And there were just too many things that weren't going right and, you know, as soon as they fixed one, another one popped up. This team was just way too inconsistent. And even during that four-game winning streak, maybe the exception of the Vikings game, but were they ever really putting all three phases of the game together and being dominant? Probably not. I I, th- I think you saw a complete game from them against the Vikings. I'm not sure that there are a ton of other examples you can pull. Uh, but yeah, ultimately it, it just, it wasn't really good enough, uh, kind of all season long. So, um, you know, it's, it's kind of time to do an autopsy right now. Uh, but I'm, I'm really excited for this off season. I think it's going to be a good off season. I'm kind of excited to take a look at the, uh, next few months here and, and what all the Packers have to do, uh, with their roster to, uh, get where they need to be to uh, actually be competitors uh, or contenders again 
uh, this season. I think it's going to be fun. Uh, I think it's going to be an exciting offseason. I really like, you know, if you look at the uh, earliest draft picks that Goody has had, Jair Alexander, Rashawn Gary, absolute home runs. All right, this is going to be another nice early draft pick for Goody. And I'm really excited to see what he does with it. I think that there's some really good players in this class. And uh, I don't know about you, Gil, but um, I'm, I'm already chomping at the bit to get into draft coverage. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Obviously, a lot of things going on even before we get to the draft that are going to be very important for this Packers team. But uh, this is going to be a, another very eventful offseason. There's no question about that. And, of course, the whole thing is going to uh, come down in, in a lot of ways to what Aaron Rodgers and the Packers decide to do. Uh, does he want to uh, come back next season? They, they have a, a ton of decisions that they're going to have to make. Uh, right now, the roster is sitting at 54 guys who are under contract for 2023. Of course, that is going to get much longer because they're going to carry a 90-man roster into the uh, into the offseason, the preseason, all that stuff. A lot of guys who are not going to be back. Um, yeah. Uh, like guys who are various types of free agents. I think some of them, like Keyshawn Nixon, you can pretty much guarantee will be back uh, with a bit of a pay increase. Other guys like Jaron Reed, I, you know, I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, I think the, the biggest concern has got to be safety. Uh, right now, the most senior safety you have is Darnell Savage, um, who shout out to Darnell last couple of weeks of this season. He got some playing time again after getting benched uh, about three quarters of the way through the year. Came back in. He uh, played decently well those last couple of weeks. Um, you know, I don't know if he's going to redeem himself next season, but no question in my mind that that should be priority 1A for Joe Barry and Jerry Gray and, um, you know, whoever else on the defensive coaching staff is is trying to figure out how to, you know, put together a great defense for 2023. You have an absurdly talented uh, young player here that who is under contract. His 2023 contract is fully guaranteed. He's going to be here short of, you know, doing something really stupid or egregious where they're just like, he can't be in our locker room, but I don't see that happening. I think he's generally a, a good guy. Yeah. If you can unlock his potential and turn him back into kind of who he was second half of 2019, second half of 2020, if you can tap into that, man, I think that really pushes the needle in a big way. The only other safeties you've got on the roster, Vernon Scott, Ennis Gaines, and then they signed a guy named James Wiggins to the uh, or to a futures contract for 2023 as well. And that's it. You need some safeties here. I think that there is good reason to question whether you want Adrian Amos back. He had a bad year. He is uh, about to turn 30. Will be 30 before the new season begins. Um, he's not cheap. Uh, certainly, you like what he brings to the team as a leader. But I think that, you know, although he's been one of my favorite players for quite some time, I think that you really have to decide whether you actually want him back for this season. Yeah. The, the, the problem is you, with Amos now that he's 30 and he had an off season, you're looking at diminishing returns. So I wouldn't want to sign him to more than a two-year deal and not at Act, top yeah. market value. So obviously, to me, the issue is going to be, if I'm Adrian Amos, I can almost certainly get a better deal somewhere else than what he'd be worth to the Packers right now. I, I, I Do you think that they're going to take a stab at safety in this draft? I really I – mean, safety was probably my top priority for them in last year's draft class, at least on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I really like what, uh, we have in Quay Walker and Devonte. Wyatt. I know people are frustrated with Quay right now because of getting ejected and I get all that. And, um, definitely there's some growing up that he has to do for sure. But, um, I, I still think that you felt the hole at safety and there are, so, you know, uh, uh Rudy Ford came in and had back to back like 90 overall grade games when he first replaced Darnell Savage. And so I, I heard a lot of people just kind of 
you know, check that off of their list and go, okay, safety's fixed now. We're fine. Right. And a lot of folks were not checking back in on how he was playing. He really came back down to earth after those two games and finished up basically kind of about where you'd expect a street free agent of his caliber to play. Now, I don't think that he's useless. I think he um, certainly is a good guy to have around. I really like what he does for us on special teams. I think he's a fantastic gunner uh, and I want to keep him next year. But in, in terms of being a starting safety for our defense, not that you can't play him, but he does not offer you anything special. I think that I think that Darnell Savage and Rudy Ford and Adrian Amos were all honestly about equal value to each other for the 2022 season. I don't think that any one of those three um, at really uh, rises above the other two. You know, even you know if, the frustrations you may have with Darnell Savage. He graded out about the same as everybody else. He had a few really good games this year. Obviously, a bunch of really terrible games. Um, definitely a bunch of big highlight plays where you were really frustrated with him. Then, you know, toward the end of the season, had some really good highlight plays. I think overall, just kind of these three guys are just right now nothing special. And with Amos getting up there in age, um, I, I think that you are about to be in real trouble at the safety position, particularly the reason I care is because this is supposed to be allegedly so-called a safety driven defense. And if we're going to lean so heavily on our safeties and, and give them such a, um, a tough job to do. And, you know, everybody who really knows film and is smarter than me will tell you that this is a scheme that is really demanding of the safeties and is very hard for them to do. We need to prioritize that position. Uh, we we did that with linebacker. I think we pretty much fixed the linebacker position. Obviously, you could do better. I think you could add another linebacker to that mix. But you like Campbell. You like Quay. Um, as long as Quay is not facing any kind of suspension, and I don't think that he is. No, no. I think I think that you're okay at linebacker. And um, you know, so if you're looking at this defense and you've got frustrations about the defensive line. Uh, questions about death and edge rusher. I'm still saying, I think that you don't really have anybody at safety. Let's fix that first. Everywhere else you have kind of enough to get by. You have a base level of competency. And I don't think that's true of the safety position. They are thin at safety and no offense to Rudy Ford. I, I think like you said, he's a very useful player, but if he's going to be your starter heading into next season, there's going to be, issues at the safety position. He's a useful role player. He's a very good special teams player, but he's not a starting caliber NFL safety at this point in his career. And I don't know if he ever really will be. So right now it is up to the Packers to improve that position. Now they could bring back Amos if he's willing to, to settle for a more reasonable deal. But like I said, I think he'll get a better offer elsewhere. And then it just becomes a question of either drafting somebody, but then you have to deal with their growing pains or you, uh, you, you know, you have to either sign a free agent or bring in uh, a, another player via trade or, or what have you to, to fill that position. So we have to see. Yeah. So uh, let's do a quick rundown of the guys we have on the, on the roster for 2023 and just look at where we need to make some additions because we do have a, a ton of free agents. So uh, one of the, uh, all right, going through tight end is one of the ones that jumps out me at me right away because we just don't have enough bodies in the tight end room. In terms of guys who are under contract, we have just Josiah Deguara and then two guys that we brought in named Austin Allen and Nick Gugamos. Uh, Nick was on our practice squad for a lot of the year. I think at least half the year. Right. And that's it. Three tight ends. You need to have four tight ends. Um, I think the Packers will bring back Tunyon. I don't really care if they do. I don't think Tunyon is as good as we um, hype him up to be. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, his, his value as a blocker is not as good as, you know, it needs to be for him to be like a Mercedes Lewis replacement. And in terms of being a receiver, I don't think he has been that special ever. He had a ton of touchdowns in 2020, but as, aside from that, he's not a reliable receiving threat. And I think we, we really thought that he had a chance to become that uh, in 2022 here, given 
the massive questions that we had um, about <clears throat> about the uh, wide receiver room and, and how bare that was. And he didn't step up at all. Um, I, he had a very minimal role in the passing offense ever. You know, you were, you liked having him there, but he was, uh, if anything, he was just an afterthought. Um, I do think that there is a pretty good chance that Mercedes comes back. And here's why this season he tied, uh, who was it? It's, um, oh, it's the, who's that longtime Jason, the longtime Cowboys tight end, Jason, uh, uh, what's his name? Witten? What's the guy's, what's the guy's name? Yeah. What's the guy's name? I'm totally drawing a blank here. Cowboys uh, tight end Witten. I think it is Jason. Yeah, Jason Witten. Yeah. I don't know why it sounded weird coming out of my mouth. Uh, <laughs> tied him and uh, uh, I remember one other guy. There's, it's a three-way tie is the point for the longest uh, tight end career in NFL history. And I think that Mercedes really would like to come back one more time and set the record. I do think that he would like to do that. Um, so, and, and I think that he played at a level this year that you didn't feel like, oh, he's you know about to fall off a cliff or anything like that. I think you're fine with having him back. Um, so, as it's going to come down to uh, the dollar amount, and uh, if he, uh, you know, if he and his family do think that his uh, body uh, can hold up for one more year, then. Um, I, I think he'll be back, um, and I uh, would be happy to have him back. You probably have DeGuara, Lewis, maybe you have Tunyon. Um, Tyler Davis is a free agent. I think they probably will be, bring him back, but again, I don't think that any of us super care. He's a good special teamer. Um, he did okay, you know, good, not great throughout the season as a blocker. Um, I think he's fine. I think the team is better having him than not having him. But if you could upgrade that, maybe with a draft pick, uh, I would like to do that. The problem is that tight end is such a difficult position to draft. Yeah. Very few tight ends that you draft turn out good. So, you know, we know the Packers have been trying for the last couple of years to acquire a tight end via trade or free agency. They tried to get Zach Ertz. Uh, they tried to get uh, Darren Waller. Um, there's one more guy. Oh, and Joku, David and Joku, they were really trying to get. None of that ever panned out, um, and uh, it seemed like they were uh, the most willing to pay for Darren Waller, but were still unable to get um, get a deal done there. Do they keep trying this offseason to get a guy? I think absolutely they do, uh, but it seems like if they really are going to swing for one of these um, you know, more uh, higher-tier guys, they're going to have to pay a lot more than what they have been offering, and I don't hundred percent know if I'm willing to do that. Uh, you know, you, you saw the, uh, the Jimmy Graham experiment was supposed to help in this area and it didn't work out. Right. Um, you know, and I, I don't know. I just, they tried to go get Zach Ertz and, and Zach Ertz, I thought was kind of at the tail end of his, uh, usefulness at that point and has not really done anything since they tried to go get him. He's been kind of bad in Arizona. He was kind of bad his final year in Philadelphia tight end is maybe one of those positions where I trust Goody a little bit less. Uh, I think particularly on the defensive side of the ball. Absolutely. If Goody says this is the guy, then sure. This is the guy. I mean, I think like um, Christian Kirksey is like the only guy I can think of that uh, Goody really thought was like, you know, going to be a good answer somewhere who just really was not uh, any kind of a good fit. Uh, But tight end, uh, I just don't think he has a, a fantastic track record. So it makes me nervous. I'll just put it that way. Fair enough. And look, the last really game-breaking tight end the Packers had, you got to go back to right around the time they won the Super Bowl. It, it's been a long time. It's been a decade. Yeah, and, and to be fair, you know, it's not like we're the only team who doesn't have a good tight end. There are very few good tight ends in the National Football League. The, True. It's you know, there's like five really good tight ends out there. So yeah, just, just putting that in perspective. Uh, quarterback, we we brought back Danny Etling. I still don't understand why. So for the time being, we have uh, three quarterbacks. We have four running backs under contract. You got to do something with Aaron Jones's contract. Um, I I certainly understand wanting to bring him back. I I totally get it. Um, and he he did have a really good year. Um, but you can't be paying this much money 
to your running back who's not even your really your lead running back. He's just you know half of a, a committee, but he's got a twenty million dollar over a twenty million dollar cap hit in twenty twenty three. That would make him the uh, highest paid running back in history, at least by uh, cap percentage. Or cap, you know, raw cap number. Yeah, they've got to um, restructure that deal. They've got to restructure it. Restructure or or move on from him, uh, one or the other. And uh, Aaron Jones does have a roster bonus that is due March 19th. So you know they will make their decision about what they're going to do with him prior to March 19th. No question yeah. about that. The Packers in total are $13.3 million over the salary cap for 2023 so far. Um, I'm not worried about that. They were like 40 million over the cap at this point last year. Like they, they will get that under control. Um, They'll move some stuff around and they'll have money to spend. They can go out and get um, one or two guys in free agency. Another thing we should talk about is uh, linebacker. Uh, I'm not sorry. Linebacker. I was looking at the word linebackers. I said that wide receiver. So you got, you really like Christian Watson. Uh, you think you might have something in Romeo Dobbs. That's about all you have on the roster. I know there's some Samori Toure truthers out there who think that he's going to be a legitimate threat. Maybe he becomes that at some point. He has not done so, so far. Uh, Bo Melton and Jeff Cotton are kind of practice squad level guys who um, were signed to futures deals. Do you bring back Rome, uh, 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 Randall Cobb? That's a big question. Well, I think a lot of that is going to depend on Aaron Rodgers. If Rodgers is not back, I can't see Cobb being back. So I'll start with that. Then if Rodgers comes back, uh, look, the problem with Cobb is, is he willing to play for a reasonable amount of money? Because at best at this point in his career, he's your fourth or fifth receiver. I think you can get someone in that role who has a brighter future than Randall Cobb for less money than Randall Cobb. So, you know, you, you keep Randall Cobb only if he's willing to pay, uh, play for less and if Rodgers is your quarterback in 2023. Otherwise, it just doesn't make sense to keep him around at this stage of his career. And I love Randall Cobb. Don't get me wrong. I've been a big fan of his since he joined the Packers in 2011, but uh, it, it wouldn't make sense to bring him back under any other circumstances than what I just outlined. Of course, Alan, Alan Lazard is gone. Um, I thought there was a good chance that he was not going to be back. Um, as it turns out, uh, that was absolutely correct. He uh, is really ready to be gone. Um, he said after the game, uh, they, they were uh, the reporters were asking him uh, if he thought that Aaron Rodgers would be back and uh, in G rated language, I'll just say his answer basically amounted to don't know, don't care. Um, Al Nazard is, is out of here. Uh, no question. He was very frustrated this season. Uh, he held out for a better contract in the preseason. The Packers refused to give it to him. And then all year long, you could tell based on the way he played, it, it looked like he did not want to be here. Um, his relationship with Aaron Rodgers does not seem to be fantastic. I think part of that probably stems from the fact that their on-field chemistry just wasn't really quite there anymore. Um, they they did not seem to be on the same page in the way that they have in the past couple of years. Is worth noting. You know, we were we were talking before the season began about how many uh, targets we thought various uh, Packers uh, receiving options might get. This season, uh, Al Lazard ended up being the most targeted wide receiver on the roster. Uh, Aaron Jones, of course, was the most targeted player uh, in total. Let's see here. I got my numbers here. Receiving targets. Targets. Where's targets? I'm looking for the abbreviation. Here we go. All right. Um, sorry. I, I So Aaron Jones ended up being the second most targeted uh, player, which is in line with uh, what we said prior to the season that looking back through decades of Packers data, you get one wide receiver who's the high, highest targeted player, and then your running back is your second highest targeted player. That has held true every single year. Alan Lazard, 100 total targets, 60 receptions. The math on that is pretty easy. Yeah. Um, Aaron Jones, 72 targets, 59 receptions. 
uh, Romeo Dobbs and Robert Tunyon actually tied for the third highest targeted players with 67 targets apiece. Um, Robert Tunyon was uh, more efficient there. He hauled in 53 receptions. Romeo Dobbs had 42. He had a lot of drops this year. In terms of total yards, they were close. Um, for there being nine, uh, sorry, 11 more receptions to Robert Tunyon, he only got uh, 45. It's always hard to do math on air, but 45 <laughs> more yards than Dobbs. So their usage was a little bit different. Yeah. Christian Watson, uh, man, uh, all the injuries he had and the time he was forced to miss all year really hurt his uh, total production. If we're looking at just a cumulative stats, uh, but he was the fourth. Well, I guess since it's a three-way tie for Dobbs and Tunyon, uh, that would right. make Watson the fifth um, highest targeted player by just one. He was at 66. The other two guys are both at 67 targets. Watson hauled in 41 receptions. He had 611 yards, so 200 or more yards than the guys ahead of him. No surprise there given how he was used. Um, one thing that I think is interesting to look at is uh, total yards per target. Uh, if you take out Patrick Taylor's one reception for 17 yards, uh, Sammy Watkins actually finished the year uh, tied with Mercedes Lewis for the most yards per target at 9.4, then Christian Watson at 9.3. So overall, um, one of the things that we thought was going to happen that absolutely did happen was they spread the ball around a lot. Everybody got fed a lot. Um, looks like the lowest targeted guy who still was a really big part of the offense was AJ Dillon with 43 targets. Randall Cobb had 50. Um, so you get had uh, seven guys who had 40 or more targets on the team. Um, and so it was between 43 to 100 targets a piece for seven guys. They spread the ball, ball around as much as they absolutely could. And, and a big part of that was due to how much time various guys missed due to injury. You had Sammy Watkins miss a lot of time. Christian Watson missed a lot of time. Romeo Dobbs missed a lot of time. They didn't have a choice. They had to spread, spread it around. I think that ultimately hurt them more than it helped them because you saw guys play better and better the more time that they had out there. I think the one uh, deviation from that would probably have to be uh, Romeo Dobbs, who he had flashes throughout the year um, and it was kind of intermittent. His two highest graded games were the game before and the game after his injury. So he right. ended on a hot streak and then came back exactly as hot and then dropped back off again. So uh, really interested to see what Romeo Dobbs can do in year two. I think that uh, Christian Watson absolutely exceeded all expectations that I had for him. thought he became a really well-rounded rookie wide receiver by the end of the season. I think that this Lions performance was clearly, in my eyes, his best game of the year. I liked the different ways they got him involved. I liked the routes he was running. I liked the different kinds of catches he was making. And that one contested catch that he made where he, uh, he, he caught the ball, so the flag didn't even matter, but he also drew the uh, pass interference flag yeah. as well down the sideline, deep pass. I think that is the uh, greatest play that he made all season. Uh, this is the, the the one thing that I, I do really wish that, you know, we could have had some playoff games here is to see more of Christian Watson and see him continue to build on his success there. Um, but I'm interested to see, you know, Romeo Dobbs has some developing to do. Um, he's got to clean up these drops is it's a big, big issue. And he doesn't have the freak athleticism that Christian Watson has. So he kind of has to be really perfect in his execution and his route running and all the little things that Christian Watson doesn't necessarily have to be perfect at in order to make a big impact on the field. Romeo Dobbs does. So, you know, I think this is your wide receiver one, wide receiver two going into next year. And I don't think that's enough. Even if these two guys are everything you hope they'll be, you need a third guy out there. So they're going to need to draft somebody or sign somebody in free agency just looking at the guys they have on the roster, Samori Toure, Bo Melton, Jeff Cotton, I'm, I'm not expecting anything out of, it, of those three guys. If they do something, great. That's super exciting. I don't have expectations of those three guys. I think it's Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, and wide receiver to be named. Yeah, I, I look, I think 
you could get more from Toure next year now that he's got a year of experience under his belt, but you can't rely on that. He is, after all, a seventh-round draft pick, and you don't know what he has the potential to develop into. But no question, you know, they could bring back Cobb, even if Lazard tests the market and sees nothing better than coming back. I'd love to have him back. I'm a big Lazard fan. I don't think there's any chance. But I don't think it's going to happen. No, I, I, I think the odds of that happening are extremely slim. So... We, you know, we try to keep this. To... We try to keep this podcast family friendly, but I will just let you know, the listeners, if you have not seen the video with Alan Lazard, he is very ready to be gone. I, I'm not even sure he's going to say his goodbyes as he leaves. He's ready to just clean out his locker <laughs> and hit the road. Uh, absolutely no love lost there. Um, I listen. I like Lazard. I wish him a lot of success going forward. I think he's a hard worker. I think he's a good player. Um, I will miss him. I have always liked having him here. But he is ready to go, and I I don't super blame him. Um, I, I don't think no. he played very well this year. Um, I think ultimately the you know it's hard to look at, at the production you got out of Lazard, and then look at Gudikins and say, well, why didn't you pay him more? But oh, I no, do no, wonder. No. I do wonder if he would have played better had he gotten you know some kind of a a pay increase when he asked for it. He just he looked like he didn't want to be out there. The effort wasn't there. And he seemed kind of miserable all year. And, and obviously, you know, being on a losing team, uh, you know, finished below 500. Uh, and obviously, you know, it was not a, a great time to be talking to him immediately after you just lost to the Lions in embarrassing fashion and got eliminated for the playoffs. But it, it was already something that we had been talking about prior to that moment of, do we think he might want to walk regardless of whether they offer him, him a new contract that was on my mind. And I, you know, just, this just seems to be, you know, an unfortunate end to what has been, um, you know, a, a cool relationship. And I think a great story. I got this undrafted Absolutely. guy who was able to come in and be the savior against the the lions in, um, I don't know what week six or week five or six It was week six in 2019 at home really uh really cool memory interesting game and then you know to go on and have the kind of role that he has had over these last four years since then it's been really cool um so i i will miss him um but i I think he's no question he's gone unless something really drastic changes yeah uh, i can't imagine he's gonna be back no i agree and it's a shame because like you said great story Here's an undrafted free agent signed before what the before last game in 2018 mm-hmm. becomes a starter. But here's the thing about Alan Lazard, though, and I love the little things he does. He's he's smart. He's a hard worker. He he's one of the better blocking wide receivers in the league. But he is on a on a good roster, a number three wide receiver. And, you know, unfortunately, the Packers had him as a number one receiver this year. And that's just not a role he's able to to competently fill. So, you know, he just doesn't have the tools to be that. And it ended up, you know, costing Lazard and the Packers. Plus, I think his relationship with Rodgers probably wasn't where it needed to be this year. But I think a lot of receivers could say that. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, Let's look at the guys who are free agents who we think will be back. I have a... Uh, list that I feel uh, pretty confident in, honestly. It's 11 guys that I think they will bring back. Go ahead. All right, so first and foremost, Keyshawn Nixon. I don't think there's any question. He's coming back. He's going to want a pay increase. I think they'll give it to him. And they might just give him the uh, the uh, position title of return specialist. Um, right. Although he's been asking to play as a slot receiver. So we'll probably see him get opportunities in – uh, the preseason to try that kind of stuff out. See how that goes. Um, all right. I think Mason Crosby probably comes back for one more year. You don't have um, a future at kicker. Uh, they have a guy named Parker White that they signed. They have let Ramiz Ahmed walk. Sounds like he's like that's uh, health related. Yeah. Um, he played. I guess I guess he was active for 40 straight weeks uh, between what was the uh, CFL or the XFL, something like that. And then the NFL, he played a lot of weeks in a row and um, seems like his body didn't 
quite hold up. Maybe that's just a theory that's out there. Um, and he ended up, uh, he got uh, elevated uh, for, uh, I think, the Minnesota game and then ended up not being able to play because of the injury. Right. And and then Cobb said, that's fine. I'm ready to go anyways. So I, I think Mason will be back. Um, I, again, and we said this last year, I would not be surprised to see if they keep a second kicker on the roster to handle kickoff duties. But Mm -hmm. but for Mason's accuracy, you want him for field goals and extra points, or at least for for sure for field goals. I think Mason comes back on a one-year deal. I hope so. I mean, the thing about Crosby, yes, the kickoffs at this stage in his career are an issue. And, you know, do you have the luxury of keeping two kickers on the roster, you know, in order to, to handle kickoffs? Maybe, and hopefully. But the big thing to me about Crosby, it is not easy to kick in the cold and in the wind at Lambeau Field in November and December and January. Uh, You know, when we had Chris Jackie on the show, he reinforced that, that it is a tricky thing to do. And I don't think too many people have done it better over the course of their career than Mason Crosby. So, I think that if he wants to come back for one more year, the Packers would be wise to have him come back. The next guy on my list is Rudy Ford. Uh, I think that you like what he did on defense enough that you probably would be willing to give him a roster spot just based on that, but certainly for what he did as a special teamer. uh, Gutekunst kind of marveled when they were able to pick him up from the Jaguars that he was kind of mind-blown that uh, Ford was even available to be signed or uh, claimed on waivers, I think is what it was. Yeah. Um, uh, Goody called Ford one of the best gunners in the NFL, and he did a f- fantastic job there. In my mind, it's a slam dunk that he's back. He'll probably want a bit of a pay raise, and I think they'll give it to him. I, I think they will as well. Um, but again, I think we're, we're – the only issue is if another team comes by, by and knocks him over to, off his feet with a great offer. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, when it comes to any of this kind of crap, I, I just when have we ever seen this happen where a guy like Rudy Ford doesn't come back to the Packers because, you know, the Jaguars come and give him 10 million bucks or something. I just, it's never happened. I, so it's unlikely, very unlikely until it happens. I'm, I'm just not exactly. <laughs> OK, uh, next guy on my list is let's see here. I'm waiting for my table to load because I want to make sure before I say this, and it takes 10 million years. All right. <laughs> this guy uh, is the highest graded special teamer in the NFL. Technically, he's tied with a guy who has uh, about a third as many special team snaps as he does. So I'm going to give him the title since he's played uh, 195 special team snaps. Do you know who that would be? We pick him up uh... after the year. Dallin Leavitt. Former Viking. Nope, former Viking. Oh, former Viking. Yep. Played 195 snaps on special teams. Um, does not have the body to do any kind of return work. But he had 91.7 overall grade. He was penalized twice, uh, but z- but neither of those penalties um, ended up getting enforced. He had 10 tackles, 2 assists, 0 missed tackles. This is Mr. Eric Wilson. 91.7. Ah, yes. Special teams grade, I think, is a slam dunk to bring this guy back. If they don't bring him back, I will have serious questions about how much they mean it when they say that they are prioritizing special teams. Because you can't do much better of a job than Eric Wilson did. I thought he was absolutely lights out for us on special teams. Yeah, and it would be a good thing to have him back. Just a question again of uh, finding the right money. I don't think he's the kind of guy who's going to have a huge market out there for his services. He should be back. Yeah. So Eric Wilson, since we're talking about it, Eric Wilson, uh, let's see here. He made uh, just over a million dollars last year. So, I mean, I, I think you could double his money and still feel fine with it. You know, pay him two million bucks and I think he'd accept it. Probably. All right. You mentioned the next guy on my list already, Dallin Levitt. Any reason why you would not bring Dallin Levitt back? I thought he was pretty fantastic. Uh, I think he did what what they brought him in to do. So, yeah. Uh, so that leaves me with uh, my last guy who I don't think there's uh, any questioning whether you bring him back or not. And that would be Justin Hollins, the edge rusher that we picked up from the Rams, 
who came in and ended up really playing, I, I think, some some special football. Um, surprisingly good. Uh, he was fine on, on uh, special teams, but he was, ended up being surprisingly good on defense as well. He had six pressures and a sack um, since, let's see. Uh, sorry, I was looking at his time in L.A. Uh, his time with Green Bay. So hang on. He played 11 games with the Rams. He played six games with the Packers. In those six games with the Packers, he had a higher grade in every single category except for coverage, but he was barely in coverage. He played five coverage snaps for us, so I don't think that that counts. Um, he had nine pressures as a Packer compared to six as a Ram this year. He had three sacks in six games as a Packer compared to one sack with the Rams. And then he had uh, five additional QB hurries as well. Uh, six run stops, which is a negative play for the opposing offense. Uh, he was penalized one time against the Vikings. Uh, I thought Justin Hollins was really surprisingly good. I think that, you know, maybe there's a question because he didn't grade out fantastic. He was, you know, showed up more in the stats column than in the overall grades column. But I think you're looking so thin at edge rusher. You know, you got Preston Smith is probably back. Rashawn Gary, um, there's some question, I think, about when Rashawn will be ready to return from his injury. Right. So he might be starting next season without him, and then maybe you have a slow start for Rashawn when he comes back. This is the Elton Jenkins conversation we had all last year. So you're looking at Preston, Kingsley, and Agbar, and then you know some mishmash of Jonathan Garvin, who I don't really get. Uh, Ladarius Hamilton, who has not really been given any opportunities. Uh, Tipa's gone. He's long gone. He's not coming back, I don't think. Um, so I think that there's absolutely a role for Justin Hollins. He's not that expensive. I uh, let's see last year he made under a million bucks, just seven hundred thousand dollars. He's about to turn twenty seven. I don't. I don't see any argument for getting rid of him if he likes being here, and I don't know why you wouldn't with the kind of um, opportunity you're getting and the production that you had in 2022. I think he's back. I think they would be wise to bring him back. He definitely made an impact once they signed him, and they needed depth at edge rusher so badly after Rashawn Gary went down, and he provided that and then some. So to me. He's the type of player they really should try to re-sign and, and keep in Green Bay. So we have covered six guys that I think, no question, are going to be back. I would be surprised if any of these six are not back. The least surprising would be Mason Crosby to me, and that would only be if he decides to hang up the cleats. I think if right. Mason is ready to retire, and at his age, it's absolutely uh, – he's, uh, he's he'll be 38 and some change when the season begins – at his age, I think it's totally fair to speculate that maybe he and his family are ready for him to be done. Uh, but I think he still played uh, totally fine in 2022. Good enough for me to want him back for one more year. Yeah, I would like him back as well. I mean, he said he wanted to come back uh, a a after the season was over. But again, we have to see whether or not uh, the team wants him back and whether they can agree on terms. So um, I've got uh, five more names here on my list of free agents that I think they would really consider bringing back. One of them feels pretty obvious, and that is Yash Nyman. Yash, uh, let's see, he made just a half a million bucks last year. I think uh, no question you can uh, give him a pretty substantial pay raise and still feel fine with it. Um, I don't super want him to be our right, our starting right tackle in 2023. I would like to see them make a move, but definitely want him in green Bay as a backup. I like him here long-term. I think he's a good tackle. I just, I think he's a good backup tackle. That's, that's just my stance. He has played fine when he's out there, but fine, not great. I think he had one game this entire year where he didn't have a holding penalty. So that kind of sucks. Um, those were absolutely killer. Uh, of course, he had another one uh, against the Lions and then played so badly against the Lions that he got benched for yeah. uh, for Zach Tom. So actually, you know, looking at 
the totality of the season. I, there were multiple games early in the year where he didn't have any penalties, but then he had three against Washington, so that kind of cancels out some of those good games. Looks like he finished the season about five games where he didn't have a holding penalty. So, And he had one, two, three, four, five weeks in a row where he had a holding penalty and then had two clean games and then had a holding penalty against the uh, Lions. So, like I said, uh, good backup tackle. Um, definitely the guy you'd like to have on your roster as your third tackle, your swing tackle, who you can uh, lean on and feel good about in a pinch and you know maybe even play a playoff game with him if you have to. And in Green Bay, it seems like we frequently have to do that. Um, but uh, overall, I don't know. You know, I, uh, I, I don't feel comfortable having him as the starting right tackle in 2023. Uh, I would be okay with it, but not thrilled, I guess is the way I would put it. And to me, if he's your third offensive tackle, if he's your swing tackle, you've got one of the better third tackles, you know, in the game. That's a great thing to have. The big thing with Yash is, again, would another team see his potential? You look at his athleticism, his size and all of that and give him the chance to be their starter and to, you know, pay him accordingly. That would be the biggest reason I think he may not be back. Yeah, it looks like uh, Spotrek was wrong once again. He did not make a half a million bucks. He made 965000 So That sounds uh, more realistic, yeah. You always got to double check with Over the Cap, which I think is much more realistic. But Over the Cap does have what they think that he is worth. They're their OTC valuation. Yeah, those are always higher than I think they should be, but go ahead. <laughs> this is pretty high. Give me a ballpark what you think that Yash should be paid for 2023. 1.1 1.1 1.1 I was going to go around 4 million bucks. Okay. They have him listed at 7.5. Yeah, I wouldn't sign him for 7.5. I think the penalties make me nervous, and then... You know, he didn't have, you know, his, his best graded game of the year was a 71.4. Let me switch to just only pass blocking. I want to see how many pressures he gave up. He gave up five sacks and 28 pressures. It's a lot of pressure. For the, for the record, Bakhtiari gave up zero sacks. Right. Um, And he was penalized uh 10 times through 18 weeks. Mm-hmm. He had two games. Sorry, he had uh, three games with a below 50 grade. He had a 48 against New England, a 45 the previous week against Tampa. And then, of course, his worst game of the year had to be in our elimination game, 32 against the Lions. And this is the thing that he has struggled with is the really athletic edge rushers. And this is why I didn't feel great about trying to send him up against uh, Nick Bosa and the 49ers. I didn't think that was going to go great. Now, he has played Nick Bosa in the past. But he got a lot of help from Robert Tunyon in that game. And I think it was, a, I, you know, maybe there was a bit of that being an off day for Nick Bosa. I'm not sure. Uh, I also think that Yash historically has been better at left tackle than at right. And the numbers do bear that out. His five highest graded games of this season, only one of those came at right tackle. The other four were all at left tackle. Interesting. So, um, yeah, so. I don't know. He had he had two games that were in the uh, mid to high 80s. He had another five in the 70s. He had another five in the 60s. He had two basically right at 60 and then three below 50. I mean, I want him back. No question yeah. about that. Oh, yeah. I, I And it's not even for me about the money. It's, it's not about the money, honestly. It's about... I don't really want him. I don't want us to be forced to make him the starter. I would like to go get somebody else. I just think we can do better from a talent standpoint than what Yash gave us this season. You know, and I'm not trying to turn my nose up at him because he did play, I think, well above where you ever would have expected a 2019 undrafted free agent to play. You know, and it's fantastic that the Packers have been able to turn the uh, athletic freak that he is at six, uh, six foot seven, 314 pounds and turn him, you know, into a player who really is maximizing, you know, I think the best of what he can be. I'm, I'm just, I'm not sure that it's, 
enough. Um, you know, if he is your starting right tackle, okay, you know what? You have a baseline. I, I want him on the roster because I want to, I want our right tackle to be at least as good as Yash Nyman is. If we can upgrade that, I would like to. Uh, the last four guys that I have on my free agent list, and you can tell me if you think there's anybody that I should be including here. Right. I'm going to go with a guy who is super controversial. And I think that I've always liked this guy more than basically anybody else. And that is Dean Lowry. Um, I, th- the, the Packers really like him a lot. Um, I think that, uh, my, my biggest thing that I dislike about Dean is that he takes opportunities away from Devonte Wyatt. And I think Devonte's season is higher than Dean's, but I, or a uh, ceiling. ceiling. Season. I think his ceiling is higher than Dean's, but I think Dean gives you a baseline of talent. He, he's a smart player, uh, knows his assignments. He's very reliable. He's kind of never amazing. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, he's, he's always kind of good, not great. The Packers like him a lot. I'd be fine with bringing him back. I think the Packers probably like him a little bit more than I do. And I like him a lot more than most fans. Forget the price. Would you bring back Dean Lowry? Let's say he was willing to come back for a price that, you know, any sane person would say is reasonable for a reasonable price. If he is just a rotation guy. Yeah. I I would bring back Dean Lowry. He is in my mind, the perfect guy to have, if he's not playing a huge role, if you want him to go in there, be your fifth defensive lineman, play 25% of the snaps in a rotation, predominantly on running downs or in your base defense, you could do a lot worse than Dean Lowry. To me, the issue is this. Would he take that role after being the starter all these years? And would he, he is sign 29 for, years old. He is 29 years old. He is 29 years old. And would he sign for an amount of money that, you know, you would find fair and to fit the role that he's going to be taking rather than up until now where he's been considered one of your starters? I, I think part of the reason that fans are not thrilled with Dean Lowry is because he is so he's reliable. He's uh, but he's just very average in his, in his production. He's not going to give you the sexy statistics of sacks and pressures and all that stuff. He's steady. He's a good guy in the locker room, but he's not spectacular. So to me, would I bring Dean Lowry back? Yes. Would I pay a lot of money to bring Dean Lowry back? No. The other thing with Dean Lowry if we bring him back, I think people are going to be frustrated with the contract regardless, because what most people don't realize is that the Packers pushed a ton of money out into the future back in 2021. And that includes Dean Lowry. And then they restructured him again uh, just a few weeks ago to make room for Elton Jenkins. That means he has a dead cap hit of $3 million this year, whether he plays or not. This is just money that we paid him back in 2021 and 2020 to that we uh, have not yet put on our salary cap. So that is going to toll on our salary cap regardless. So uh, we have to make a decision by February 25th because that is when the 2024 and 2025 years void. So what you'd have to do is agree to terms with Dean Lowry for him to play in 23, 24 and 25 or at least a couple of those years um and agree on a salary because right now there's there's no salary for those years right you'd have to redo his contract so that you can keep because it so it's three million seven thousand dollars um that we are still on the hook for this is not money that we have to pay to him it's already been paid to him this is just money that has to go on our salary cap Mm -hmm. and then spread out one million two thousand dollars over each over the next three years so you need to agree on a salary for him for however many of those years it's going to be. And he has to sign it uh, before February 25th so that those years don't void because the second they void, then that dead cap jumps to 2023 and there's nothing you can do about it at that point. It just, it is what it is. Right. So, so timing is of the essence. That's your deadline. He's 29 years old. I think it would make sense to, give him a salary for 2023 and maybe let 
2024 and 2025 stay void years, but push the, uh, you know, push the deadline out. So they don't void until 2024 when he's not in the roster anymore. And so then you'd have just a $2 million dead cap hit next year. You pay him a base salary of, I don't know, maybe $2 million, uh, maybe $3 million this year to an, somewhere around that, somewhere around 3 million bucks right. in 2023. And so then you would have a, uh, cap hit for him in 2024 of $4 million. And then a cap hit for him in 2024, uh, of $2 million at that point. So I think that's probably what they will do is my prediction. It's very, it sounds almost too logical for it to happen, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> All right. So the last Three guys on my list are the three tight ends, Tunyon, Lewis, and Davis. I think the Packers like all three. I don't necessarily. I think I would probably be tempted to let Tunyon explore free agency Mm -hmm. and just see what he can get out there because I think that there's probably a team out there that is willing to pay him more than J.J. Leahy is willing to pay him. I don't know if there's a team out there who's willing to pay him more than Brian Gutekinds is willing to pay him. I think that he will only be back if he tests the market and finds that there is no one who is willing to pay him more than Brian Gutekunst is willing to pay him. But uh, he was pretty me, bad. He was pretty bad in 2022. Overall grade of 57. Uh, his pass blocking grade is 35. So don't try and use he's that. He's never been a great blocker. That, that's not something he's ever been particularly good at. Look, Run blocking me, grade of 46, three yeah. penalties. To me, no role in the passing offense. Go ahead. The the issue with Tunyon is this. If you believe that Robert Tunyon will be back to being able to stretch the field the way he did in 2020 and 2019, because he's another year removed from that knee injury that ended his season in 2021, he's worth re-signing on an incentive-laden deal. Otherwise, he is a very average tight end, and it wouldn't be worth paying him a lot of money to stay in Green Bay. That, that to me, is the equation. And, and I think that the only thing I really have to go off of to try and you know make that claim is to look at how he did on a week-by-week basis over 17 games in 2022 and see, was there improvement over the course of the year? There was not. There is no correlation. If you sort every week by uh, his grades in any category, by uh, receptions, targets, touchdowns, anything, there's no correlation. It does not go up in any positive way over the course of the year. He's kind of just stayed the same all year. He had one really good game in week six against the Jets, and then his worst game of the year was the very following week against uh, the Commanders. Outside of that, like there's just nothing like just a little dip here, a little spike there and, and no general movement in any one direction. It seems to me he just kind of is who he is, um, which is know, a very like, average guy. Yeah. So I, I, I just, I really won't cry if he's, you know, brought back or not. Um, I would be probably more interested in bringing back Mercedes Lewis, but a big part of that, honestly, for me um, has to do with me wanting him to set the record. Now he did, he graded out much higher than Tanya did. Um, right. It has 65 overall grade. He did have two games that were basically elite uh, in see against the jets in week six. That was also uh Tunyon's best game. His best game was against Minnesota last week. Um, did a really fantastic job, but he had one, two, three, four games above a 75. Um, and really only two bad games on the course of the season. Overall, I think he had a, a much better year. He had the same number of touchdowns, um, way fewer yards. He only had 66 yards. Uh, he only had six catches. He's a guard. 70. He's an extra offensive lineman for all intents and purposes. And we like what he does. I think we're totally Absolutely. fine. We know who he is, and we like it. And we, I, I'd like to have him back. And he's a leader in the locker room. So I put Mercedes, for me, is a yes, unless he decides to hang up the cleats. Right. Tunyon is an, I don't care. Uh, what about you? Do you want him back or do you not want him back? I only want him back if the price is right. And that's a, not a very high number. I think the Packers will bring him back. So I'm putting him on the list. We're up to 10 right now. I, I, again, I just don't really care, but I think the Packers do want him back. The final guy is Tyler Davis. 
I want him back because of his role on special teams. Um, he was good for us on special teams. He had a 65.4 uh, grade, no penalties, seven tackles, three assists, zero misses. He was overall certainly a net positive. He played 344 special team snaps. That is the most of anybody on the team. Down Levitt was in second place at 305. So 40 more snaps than Down Levitt. I think he's absolutely a net positive on special teams. And then when it comes to offense, you know, sometimes they just need a body to throw out there and he's fine when you do. So um, I don't really want them to throw the ball to him very much, nope. but you know what? He, he knows what he's supposed to do. I think he's fine. And I don't think he's going to cost anything at all. For me, that's your 11 free agents you're bringing back. And that's about all I got. I, I think that list is, is more than fair. Uh, and it really, a lot of it is going to depend on Rogers and what, the cap situation becomes after he either decides to stay or go. That is going to be, to me, the turning point of this offseason. So my five free agents that I'm not bringing back, Randall Cobb, although mm-hmm. we talked about like maybe, maybe that happens if Rogers is back. And I, I lean more toward Rogers being back than not. I think it's about 65, 35 in my mind about whether he comes back or not. I'm more 55, 45 that he's back, but yeah. Al Lazard, I think, is almost certainly gone unless it was unless, you know, maybe when we're upset, we say things. Maybe he just was upset about the loss and maybe he had just had a bad interaction with somebody, maybe Aaron a minute prior. Who knows? Maybe it was just, you know, a bad moment for him and he didn't really mean what he said. But I already thought he might not be back. And I I, he he, he literally said this is my last game with Packers. So we'll see. Yeah, I think he's gone. Uh, Chris Barnes, I think is probably gone. Maybe he comes back. I don't think the Packers care a ton would be my guess in terms of his role on special teams. I mean, where even is he on this list? I got to do a control F to find him on this list. Does he play special teams for us? He didn't even play special. Oh, he's, he was on uh, IR basically the whole year. Wasn't yeah. He? he was, he missed a lot of time. Yeah. So Chris Barnes, I, you know, I, I just, I just don't think he's much of a factor. Uh, Adrian Amos, I think probably they will let him walk is my guess. Yep. Seemed, seemed like he had frustration, uh, this year about, you know, like being a, a lame duck sort of veteran that, you know, he knew his contract was running out. It made a lot of sense. If you liked his level of play to give him an extension to lower his cap hit and they chose not to, which indicates that they were certainly thinking about moving on from him. Uh, and then uh, Jaron Reed is the other guy I'm not bringing back. He turned 30. He's three and a half million bucks. I thought he was really not that special. And I would like to give uh, Devonte Wyatt all the snaps that we can. I don't really see any reason to bring Jaron Reed back. I think Reed showed some good flashes late in the season. Again, if you're going to sign him for something close to the minimum, uh, I'd bring him back. I wouldn't bring him back at 3 million though. Well, that's it. That's our uh, look at the current state of the roster. Um, I think it's about all the time we have here. A little bit of an announcement um, about the future of this show. I am stepping away from No Huddle Radio and Packers Talk. It's been a really cool three years here. Uh, We've done three full seasons together, Gil and I. Gil, I have really, really enjoyed doing the show with you. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, I have a lot of sadness in my heart about stepping away. Uh, just, you know, the season of my life, I, I know that it's uh, the right thing for me to do. And I do, I do not know what the folks at Packers Talk are going to do with the future of this podcast. Uh, I hope that it continues. Uh, really love you guys who uh, tune in every week and make this a part of your uh, normal Packers uh, listening. I uh, really appreciate you guys. And I, uh, I'm also very appreciative to the folks at Packers Talk for giving me this opportunity. Um, uh, Al and the guys have been uh, extremely supportive and they're just good, you know, good dudes to work really hard and produce great content themselves. And uh, I'm eternally grateful uh, to them for um, giving me these, these three years to uh, talk to you guys uh, through my microphone and I uh, hope that you will uh, stay uh, you know, stay in touch. Uh, keep following me on Twitter at JJ Leahy, L-A-H-E-Y, if you're not already doing so. Um, but uh, much love to all you guys. Uh, Gil, thank you for doing this by my side for three full years. It's, it's really been an honor. 
JJ, it's been great to work with you. I am very sorry to see you go, but I wish you all the best. And I more than understand the priorities with your new baby in your life. So that's uh, congratulations again on that. I know I said Thank it you. at the time, but uh, nothing is more important than that. It's been great talking Packers with you for the last three years. And I'm hoping that some point in the future, we'll be able to work together again. Yeah, that would be cool. I'm, I'm excited to see what the future holds uh, for both of us. And I wish everybody at Packers Talk immense success going forward. So before I get choked up here, because it's coming, uh, <laughs> one last time, I'm going to uh, do this outro and get us out of here. That's going to do it for us today. We'll be right back here. Um, <laughs> I can't say <laughs> Not next week, but, uh, well, I may be, but we'll see how this, uh, we'll see what the future holds. <laughs> Indeed we shall. All right, follow us on Twitter, at Packers. And at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers or ask us questions. Make sure you subscribe to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show. And thank you for listening. As always, Go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com